Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Seeing When You're Losing podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn to make the most of every situation. I believe that setbacks and struggles aren't meant to stop us, they're meant to teach us. Across this series, I interview athletes, coaches, managers, trainers, and more so that we can glean from their wisdom and learn from their stories for how to sing when you're losing. In this episode, I get the privilege of interviewing Peter Scrivener. Peter played for rugby union team Wasps for 12 years, although he spent nearly half of that injured. He also set up the Wasps Legends Charitable Foundation, which has raised over half a million pounds for various charitable organizations and serves as a great source of networking and support for former players. He is also a business owner, a serial networker, and a really nice guy. I hope you enjoy hearing his story and how he has made the most of his time, even when things didn't go his way. As always, this episode is recorded online, so please be patient with the occasional lack of sound quality. If you can persevere, I have no doubt that you will enjoy it and grow from it. So get comfortable and join me, your host, Buddy Owen, as we all learn to sing when you're losing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sing When You're Losing podcast, your podcast that helps you learn to make the most of every situation. Today, we are privileged to have on the show Peter Scrivener. Peter was a rugby player for Wasps and is now a businessman. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and let's see what wisdom we can get from this man. Good afternoon, or I should say good morning, Pete. How are you doing today? Morning, buddy. I love, I love that intro. What wisdom you can get from me, God. And it's, it's yeah, 10 o'clock in the morning. So this could go either way. So who knows? I have, I have extremely high hopes. Um, maybe more hope than expectation, but uh, I, I do have high hopes. So Pete, just let's start by finding out who you are. What, where did you originate from? Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, right. So my, my you know, I'm based where you are now in the world, but uh, um, I, I was born in Essex. Um, I went to um, a, well, main school was Cooper's Coburn in Lutminster, um, which is a, which is a great school. And that really did mold me um, into, into really what I am t- today. Um, I, I started playing uh, all sports. I was football mainly um, to start off with. My father was a semi-professional footballer. Um, so football was the route by Cubs and Scouts uh, and then Gidea Park. I think it was Gidea Park Rangers was another um, one of my teams as a youngster. I got picked up by West Ham, which was, which was lovely uh, on one game. Won't forget that one. I scored a goal from the halfway line. Um, <clears throat> and, 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 you know, and, and went to the, the um, West Ham training ground and did a session. And it was just, it was really, it, I really enjoyed that. Um, just a mixture of sports I had at school. So cricket, rugby, athletics, um, swimming, basketball. I was very lucky that, you know, I was a natural sportsman. So I played basketball for, for South of England, cricket for Essex, rugby obviously for England. Um, athletics, I, I threw the, the javelin for the county and I think I, think I got into the sort of the, 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 sort of the national um, sort of selection stuff. The only thing I wasn't really good at was tennis. I hated tennis, um, and, and I don't hate watching it. But yeah, I was—I'm very much a sport billy, 
uh, uh, so roots were very firmly in Essex, uh, but but I tried to do everything as a as a child at school. Which of those two sports did you enjoy the most? Basketball. God, I was you know I was I I absolutely loved it, um, and I got to the England trials. Um, but I was it's probably the only time I've ever been really uh, just just completely out of my depth, not through talent, just through the occasion. And I, I, you know, I used to be a player that used to get 40, 50 points in a, in a school game, literally every single game. Went to this trial surrounded by all these other England players. And I, and I was the first time really I'd, I'd gone away from home, stayed in a, like a camp, a sports camp. And I remember, never forget it, that you know, I got the ball on, a, on a, like a free throw line and I, I shot the ball. And it must have been the adrenaline. I just, it went over the top of the, top of the, um, the, the hoop the actual black ball. Um, and I just thought, what's going on? In fact, it didn't feel like I was in my body. It was a really weird thing, but no sport for me in basketball uh, in, in particular. I just, I loved it. And I think looking at this, this last dance um, documentary now that, that Jordan's put out, he was one of my heroes, if not the, the hero growing up in basketball, absolutely incredible. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed watching that and just seeing the, you know, the effects that, that, that his, you know, to bear in mind, in that that time there was there was no social media, so you know, seeing him locked up in hotel rooms and not being able to go out every time he stepped out into the public, constantly being hit by people, you know, wanting to say hello, wanting to see him, wanting to touch him, wanting to engage with him, and just mentally, Christ, that 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 must have been, you know, absolutely um, horrific at times. Brilliant. But you know, when you go out for dinner and you can't actually enjoy your meal without people looking, staring, coming up to ask things, you know, it's you know, being a celebrity at that level or a sportsman, it takes its toll, and a lot, of, a lot of people aren't prepared for it at all. No, it's funny that uh, documentary is coming up in every interview I do at the minute. It's just an incredible documentary insight into his life, the the life of the rest of the team, uh, but just. As you say, at the time, there was no social media. And to get that kind of following with no social media is crazy, isn't it? There was, there was a, yeah, when I was, I think I must have been about 17, 18, there's a documentary called Come Fly With Me yeah. with Michael. And that is, and that's, that talks about his, when he got injured and came back. Um, and that's, you know, it was incredible, but yeah, I just, I, I used to, you trying to emulate what he did, but he was just, oh God, the, one of the best athletes ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to, to switch from basketball, then to go and try baseball. Yeah. You know, the number of, the number of fans that, that followed him to watch him there. And yeah, he did really well, I think by the looks yeah. of the stats. Well, um, I, I saw him play baseball live. In my hometown, I saw him play baseball live uh, and uh, he had an okay game. I think he was two for four hitting that day. Um, <laughs> he did okay. Just, as you say, an incredible athlete. I mean, he, he played basketball, but he could have done so many different things. Yeah. And I think that's for me when I was at school, you know, I was very fortunate to have parents that, that supported me in everything I did. Um, and, you know, dad, mum took me everywhere, you know, for, for school games. And I think that's, that's translated to me now. So, you know, my son, Charlie's at Birkenhead and, um, you know, I try to, if I'm, if I'm home on the Wirral, normally I am in London, 
But um, if I'm home on the Wirral, then I try to take him to school, try to watch him play uh, games, or, or yeah, always take him wherever he wants to go on a weekend because it's important. I don't want to miss anything like that. And I was very fortunate to have that with my parents. You know, what they sacrificed on, on their weekends to take me to sporting events, you know, I, I, you, know it, you can never sort of pay that back. But I think, you know, my dad especially um, had... He wasn't a, he wasn't a rugby fan, so I think he really enjoyed it when you know and the friendships he made with with wasps and the, and the England under school under eighteen schools parents when they used to follow us to France and Italy. You know, it's great days, um, and you know I think for him and my mum, you know, seeing seeing me excel in a sport um, that was un, un sort of unknown to them, slightly dangerous. Mum used to hate it when I used to come back covered. But um, yeah, and that's but that's part of the game at the at the time, you know. Luckily, um, you know. So just, how did you land in rugby then? You like you played all these sports. You loved basketball. How did you how did you land in rugby? When I went to Cooper's school in Essex, they they were a rugby school. So you know, uh, at the first year in in senior school, you, there's your rugby ball, there's your rugby kit. Get on with it. And I I found that you know long long legs and uh, and quite quick off the mark. I found that natural position at number eight and never looked back. Um, and I had uh, had all the trials for Essex and Eastern Counties and then London and England and you know my final year uh, under 18s at school in the sixth form. I, I was very lucky to to be selected for England and then I joined Wasps um, and that that was the progression from school. It was a it was a rugby school. Um, and a cricket school as well. So, uh, and I did get offered a professional contract with Essex at the same time when I was 18, and uh, I chose rugby. So, um, why? Probably because I just played 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 for England, and that was the route I took. So, yeah. Do you think that playing lots of sports when you were younger helped you? Because uh, a lot of professional athletes now only play one because you you get sucked into an academy so young. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I did an interview with Radio Liverpool uh, a few weeks ago, and I think this is absolutely crucial uh, for, for, you know, if, if you identify your child as a, as a talent, you know, one of, our, one of our dear friends actually has got a very talented son uh, who, who can hit a golf ball very, very well. He's got a super left foot. He's been picked up by the Liverpool Academy. But it's important for him to, and, and any child, to, to have... Uh, an array of sports that they do because everything helps what you will excel at. Um, you know, I know, you know, Neil Mellie used to tell us about um, you know, his work on his footwork playing table tennis. So, you know, and that's really interesting because you know, everything you do, especially with basketball and cricket and awareness, whatever it is, spatial awareness is really important if you do then excel in something else. So playing as many sports as possible um, I think is absolutely vital. Yeah. What do you think about when do you, when's the best time to narrow down? You know, when's the best time to choose your sport? Yeah. That's a really, that's a really tough question because um, is there ever a right time? I think you've got, I think with these academies at the minute, especially in football, I think they do get picked up too young. And the, the danger you have is when that child gets sort of spat out of the system at 16, their dreams are, are, are a professional sportsman and then suddenly they're shattered. Um, you know, and that's one reason, actually, I, I in, in, uh, with some friends, set up a sports agency to, to, to combat this. But, um, it, yeah, that's a very difficult one. I think once you know, 
I think once a parent knows that their kid is really, really good and someone also identifies it, who is a specialist in that, that field, then you've got to go, right, there could be something in this. And, and, you know, I think maybe you should concentrate that and narrow things down. I, you know, as a parent, mum, you know, took me out of the swimming um, sort of team at school uh, because, you know, I, was, I played one, I never forget, I played one basketball game at half time, I came off, got changed in the swimming kit, jumped in the pool, did a did a um, a relay for the school, jumped back out, and played the second half of basketball, and, and <laughs> what? I was absolutely shattered, and and I was ill for a couple of days. And mum said that's got to stop. So um, I think the parents have got a, a, a responsibility, but also the 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 person who, I, who has identified the talent, um, whether it's a, a, a coach or a sports agent or or someone who's been in the game a mentor to say, right, you've got an opportunity here. You know, um, you know take, take the progression slowly, but just you, 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 you've got to make that decision at the right time. And, and that right time is a very, it's a very difficult question there, buddy, to yeah. be honest, because it, there is no right time, really. It, it sort of happens when, you, when it does, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, good. So you signed with Wasps when you were 18? Yeah, I should have gone to, well, I should have gone to Saracens, really, but... Um, there's a chap called Jeff Strange, uh, Strange Jeff, as we used to call him. Um, do. He's 80, 85 now. Jeff still going strong, still a, still a massive wasp. And he phoned me literally every day. So he came to watch the England schools trials um, and all the England schools games and literally phoned me constantly. And rather than going to, to Saracens, which was 20 minutes down the road, I went to wasp, which was an hour and 15 minutes. And... Uh, as soon as I landed at that club, um, Lawrence Delalio said something to me the other day, um, and it's very apt. You know, Wasps is not a place. It's about the family. It's about the people. And that is so true. So when I landed at that club, you know, I was enveloped by a, 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 a family of just great people. And, you know, I, I created a charity called the Wasp Legends Charitable Foundation with some other people. And, you know, over this lockdown, we've had eight weeks of, of um, reminiscing every Friday to Sunday. We've raised an, an awful lot of money, but the stories and, and, and what's come out of that from a mental health point of view and a well-being point of view and a, a togetherness point of view is just incredible. And I think, you know, when I first joined at 18, when I walked in th through those doors at Sudbury, I, was, I, was, I, I joined a family and that is still the case today. And that's what's, that, that's what's very special about Wasps. And I don't think any club in the world has got that. We'll come back to loads of the other stuff that you were just talking about, the foundation and, and, and various things. What was the highlight of your playing career? Let's talk a little bit about your career first. I, I, you know, I was, I was out of a 12 year career, I was injured for five. So I had five major, major injuries, two knees, two shoulders. Um, so, you know, I was very fortunate as, as an 18 year old, 19 year old to get into the, the senior England squad very early. Um, I didn't get my England cap, unfortunately. Got the England A, sevens, bar bars, etc. But every time I was due to, you know, hopefully to be selected, I was injured, um, which is a real shame. Um, but I think for me, looking back on my, I think any time you put on an England shirt is is a is a treat. So um, uh, that's that's the incredible thing to do. Playing for the Barbarians was 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 an absolute uh, an amazing experience. Yeah, winning you know, the Teddy's Biller Cup and the European Cup and the Premiership titles with Wasps 
Um, you know, just thinking back, it gives you goosebumps. But someone asked me this the other day, actually, and I'm not joking. One of the highlights of my career was actually playing for the school and Cooper's company plays Campion and that was the rival match. And in my lower sixth, we were the first ever team to beat Campion's first team in the history of our school. And I still today say that is one of my highlights because, you know, they had the likes of Tony Dipros. They had loads of England stars, Tony Dipros, Darren O'Leary, Eugene O'Hurley, which a number of people will recognise. These were quality players and, and went on to great things uh, for Saracens in England. Um, and we beat them. But, and that came back to the togetherness. Yeah, we played as a team and just the, it was the underdog. And I think, I look back on it and I think, Christ, that was an amazing time. And yeah, you, you roll forward the middle six sevens. Um, that was a you know, time where we, we won that. And then we played against, um, we played against Wigan. That was another great time. Um, and, you know, Hong Kong, you know, being the first England side to represent, um, you know, England in, in Hong Kong in the sevens, that was an experience I'll never forget. Um, but it does come back to the people. And I was very lucky to play with some incredible players. So um, and I think with me being injured, I made Lawrence Delalio a very, very famous person. <laughs> yeah. You that book. <laughs> yeah. Um, I th yes. Replacing him, putting him on the sideline would have been, uh, would have been different. Well, wouldn't you it? know what? It's, he, Lowell's a great person. And it's, it was funny because we, yeah, we, we've always had a strong back row at Wasp. So, Paul Volley, Dean Ryan, um, Buster White, Joe Worsley, um, Lawrence, myself. Um, the list goes on. And, you know, we were, we were just fortunate to have such a tight bond as players that if one person dropped out, one dropped in. You know, um, Lawrence played six when I played eight and Volley played or, or Worsley played seven. So it was, a, it was brilliant. It was great times and, and still brilliant pals with... with um, uh, with all the guys now, and it's yeah, it's just it's a it's a great club to be part of. Great. So those are some of the highlights of your career, all the way back to high school. I like that. What about some of the disappointments? You've mentioned the injuries. Uh, what tell, talk me through that? What was that like? Uh, it's I think anyone that has had a yeah nine month, twelve month injury like I had, but I I had five of them. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, you, you've got to turn a positive, um, you know, from a negative, you just have to, you know, you've, you've been hit, you've, you've, the shoulder's gone, you've had that up, you're now at home recovering. Uh, I never forget with my knee, I had hamstring out of both legs. So they, they, so basically I could not move for, uh, effectively six weeks. I was bedridden for six weeks. But this is, is when you know when your mates are your mates. And Simon Shaw, Mark, uh, Mark Lott, Richard Burkett, Kenny Logan used to come around my flat to, to effectively change my water bottle because I, I, I'd get to the bed and, um, or, or I'd hobble to the sofa on, on a, in, a, in a chair. Then I'd have to, have to pee in this water bottle because um, I couldn't really move anywhere. Um, and the boys used to come in, used to make me some food and obviously change my water bottle. Well, after about, it was about six or seven weeks, um, I can actually sort of hobble to the toilets. Um, but I didn't tell them that. So for the next five weeks, they were still changing my water bottle, uh, which, yeah, is, is uh, it, it made me laugh. 
but yeah, you look at you look at anything that you, know, you you your career's going really well. Suddenly you've taken a knock, but you've got to change that into a positive. So you know, I got involved when I was injured into the commercial side of the club. They needed people to go to to help um, you know children at their community camps. They need people to help with sponsors. Um, I started hosting the the radio with Nigel Barden from Chris Evans, um, the old breakfast shows or the the, the drive time shows. Um, and I used to love the commentary, and I, and I remember you know, Kenny. Kenny couldn't do it, and he said, "Scripps, can you do the radio?" And I said, "No, I can't do that." And do you know what? I spent probably four, four or five years doing it in the end, and I absolutely loved it. It was the closest thing to playing. So you know, getting into the, getting involved with the the commercial, getting involved with the community, trying a new skill with with the um, with the radio, and then that actually led to me hosting a lot of events for Wasps. And which I do still host a lot of events for, for charities now. Um, uh, and even in my day job, I host a lot of the events for, for Alpha Solutions, my, 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 my company that I work for currently. So, yeah, that negative, that time where I was very low, um, you know, you, you turn it into something strong. And that's what I did. But comes back to the, the, the essence. I was surrounded by great people. So I had a brilliant medics. I had brilliant coaches. Yeah, I had brilliant staff that, that worked at Wasps that, that welcomed me into their domain. You know, and I, I was the press officer for Wasps once. And <laughs> this, this Richard Burke and myself, because we, we, they had no one in the press office, so we took it on. And this was just as Wasps were moving to Wickham. And the, the you know, Times phoned up and said, um, um, you know, can I speak to the press office, please? Yeah, hello. Yeah, Peter speaking. Didn't give surnames and, and everything else. And uh, the bloke said, is it true? Is the rumour, is it true the rumour you're moving to Wickham? I said, it's, it's a secret. I put the phone down. And I think it was David Hands at the time. Um, phoned up the CEO, Nigel Melbourne. He said, who's the idiot in your, in your press office? He told me it's a secret that you're, you're moving to, to Wickham. And then he goes, no, that's Scribs. And that ended, that really ended our, our press <laughs> office quite quickly. But uh, again, it's just something, something different, something to engage. Once you do your rehab, you know, you've got to keep, you've got to keep in there. And, you know, we used to do, you know, once we finished the rehab with me and Berkey, we used to go outside, make sure the players are right. Boys, do you need anything? Again, it comes back to that community. You've got to, you've got to turn that negative into a positive and you've got to, you've got to look at other things to do if you have taken a knock. And it's simple as that. Everyone takes knocks in life. You've just got to, you've got to change it and make it a positive. Yeah. So working through the injuries, nearly half of your career was injured. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it like then when you realized actually, you know, you, you've, you've had the final injury and it's time to get out of the game? Yeah, it's very hard. So, you know, I was very lucky to have Warren Gatland, who is, is oh, he's incredible. I'd had some brilliant directors of rugby, Nigel Melville, Warren Gatland, Rob Smith. Um, and it got to a point where Gats, uh, it was Gats and Sean were funny because they used to, if we used to have a bad spell of, of games, um, Gats used to sort of get rid of someone. So, you know, they got rid of Darren Malloy, um, you know, who's a, another great wasp. And then we had three games on the bounce. We lost a game and they got rid of Joe Beardshaw. And they got me in because they had a And I was coming right to the end and they got me in. And Gats said, Scribs, yeah, we've got to make an example to, to, to everyone. Yeah, I think we're going to have to let you go. And I was busy. I was actually choked, really, because it was, it was horrible. 
But then he said, but um, we're, we're very worried about the, 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 uh, the mental effects it will have on Shawzy, Simon Shaw. Um, we're going to keep you. Um, we're going to keep you on. <laughs> so I, 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 I obviously remind Shorty of that story all the time. But yeah, it's that that finality. I was a one club man. So when when you know I was injured, I I was in, on insurance as well. So I was lucky that I was protected. Um, you know, I was advised very well by my my father who had uh, an insurance insurance policy for me. So I was slightly protected. But for me, it was a natural progression. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, you're not needed anymore. I physically couldn't play anymore. I had James Haskell and Tom Reese coming up behind me. And it was that I knew it was that time. I couldn't keep up with them. Every day was a, was a, was a uh, I, I, I was sore. And it just got to a point where the surgeon said, look, do you want to be able to use your arm again? Yes, please. Um, and that was, a, that was a very easy decision in the end. But then I went back to the club, did a radio, um, and uh, what was it? God, two years later, I was actually back at the club as commercial director. So, so you moved quite quickly on to something else. Uh, yeah, very which... Well, that's it. So it's contacts. So yeah. during my time, I was obviously when I was injured, contacts was key. So I spoke to a lot of people. Always was polite. Always, you know, um, you know, swapped a business card engage with someone to say look what do you do you know are you and you know, we had the we had the the head of microsoft in one of our boxes so contacts were always always there for me as a you know it's just a natural thing to do engage with people politely but so, was that something sorry was that something that you did naturally or did you have someone advising you we we had to do it as part of the job anyway uh, you know is your contract at the time was um, you had to you had to do like box visits and stuff like that, and after a game, sometimes the last thing you want to do is go and talk to someone. But it's part of your job. You just got to get on with it. Um, there was one occasion I walked into a box and they and this t- this group of people were having a meeting and they looked at me and I just went I'll, I'll go it's fine. Um, others couldn't wait for you to meet their their son daughter um, you know brother father whatever. Um, but it was the engagement. I think it's very, very important. And players now, uh, I know they do, they do it more at Wasps and in rugby than football. But um, yeah, football, yeah, I, I still think for their player development, it's very important that footballers should engage more with the, uh, the fans and the, the sponsors because it's good for their development. Because when they do finish... Um, you know there are there are some serious consequences if you if you if you haven't prepared yourself. Yeah. So you, you played at the highest level of rugby. Uh, you, you're coming towards retirement now. For you, that transition was pretty easy. For a lot of players, like we're just saying, that transition isn't easy. Uh, in rugby, it's difficult. In football, as you've alluded to, it seems even more difficult to make that transition. So from your own experience or with other players that you've worked with, what is, what's that like? What's going through your head when you're coming towards retirement and why is it so difficult for the professional athlete to face the, uh, the impending retirement, knowing it's coming, but not wanting to think about it. This is, this is why we've set up our sports agency, INS management, because you know, a player came to me and said, I need some help getting a job. And I said, what's your agent doing? Um, he said, "I oh, just got rid of me," because there's no there's no longevity. Once they don't become 
you know, a value to them for a switch or a move, they're just gone. And that, that is for me just horrific. I was, I was, did I, my transition, did I find it hard? I think every athlete finds it hard. Yeah, because you're going from something you love to something that uh, is alien to you. So my first job was with Major League Baseball, you know, your, your game effectively, um, you know, as a Yank. And uh, it was, you know, I was, I was the sales manager for sport. Uh, and I use my contacts, simple as that, which is why these players need to engage with people. Uh, don't, don't isolate yourself into, into, you know, the, 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 just the change room. Don't go out, go and meet people, find out who the sponsors are. You know, all our, the rugby players that I deal with, you know, they're all sponsored by someone. Find out who they are. What do they do? And I'll tell you why. So, you know, and I will touch on the charity later on, but we've got one player at was at the minute, Jack Owlett, who's a very bright lad. Um, prop and uh, he's now joined our charity the Was Legends and he's still a professional player as has Joe Launchbury has had Brad Shields and lots of others but I said to Jack I said what do you what are you interested in he goes actually I'm interested in finance and the police brilliant within two minutes we had him in a police car with one of our um, uh, metropolitan police commanders and we had um, him engaged with one of the senior people at St James's Place and he's like, wow. Now that's what Incredible. contacts and but the players have to prepare. You have to take your own responsibility. So as a young player, the agent, and this is what we do now, um, is find out what that kid is interested in. Because at you know, if you sign a lad or, or you engage with a parent at 15 and you find out they're into photography, fantastic. Because at 16, they may get booted out and we've got contacts within that photography world, potentially get them a job or a university course. And that's the key. You've got to, players have to take responsibility and plan for what they, they are interested in, what are they, what they're good at. They won't know what they're good at apart from kicking the ball, throwing a, throwing a, a, um, a, a, a javelin in a hockey stick or kicking a, a, kicking a rugby ball. They will not know, but you've got to nurture them and to find out, um, what they are interested in, try and prepare them. Switch to play charity that's run by uh, Leon Lloyd um, is very involved in, in helping players identify what they want to do when they're finished. But the player has to take that responsibility, as I said, and that's key. Yeah. And that's what I want to do as well. And, and that's what I do, trying to help players realize what it is they want to do after retirement. But I find, you know, one of the difficult things is getting players to even think about it. Uh, players who are in the midst of it, whether it's rugby or football or training to be an Olympian, they don't want to think about the end. So how do you, how do you get them to do that? Should there be more pressure put on the clubs or the academies for football to get players to think about this? Where, where does it start? It has to start. For me, it's, it has to start at home with parents. Um, if, the, if you haven't got that support network at home, it then has to fall on the club that they're working with. Um, but it's all, it has to fall on the player. You have to think about your future. Um, yes, you're very driven Olympians, whatever, but future, you know, you're, you're the agent or the, the advisor or your mentor. You know, when we talk to players, you know, I just say, look, this could end tomorrow. This could finish tomorrow with an injury. Let's prepare now. And that is so key. Hopefully they're over a 10-year career. You've got to prepare now. So it's the responsibility of everyone that's attached and surrounded that player to make them think about it. Is it property? Is it, you know, are they interested? You know, Jack Willis and Alex Zumba, uh, Lundberg at the minute, it was so interesting property. So that's all into our, 
our property boys at CBRE and, and our developers. Um, you know, uh, there are so many different people within network networks um, that are surrounded, especially our club, that can help. And they would be delighted to help. But again, that player has to look outside to go, what am I interested in? They've got to help themselves for others to be able to assist. And that is absolutely crucial. So players yeah. that, that don't, don't uh, plan or look forward or prepare themselves, you know, they, they will struggle. Yeah. So, and, but they, they have to, they have to learn very, very quickly that this could, this, this fancy career, whatever sport it is, could end tomorrow. Yeah. Prepare yeah, to that's good. I, you know, you, you've told us already, you had a, a great family, great upbringing, really supportive parents, more and more, uh, again, some in rugby. I think the, my experience is that the, the rugby is more of a family, uh, just generally speaking, whether that's uh, the rugby football union or in rugby league, there is this more of a, a family sort of thing. You often play closer to home, whereas football seems to be guys are, a lot of them don't come from great homes uh, and they're taken away a lot younger through the academies or whatever. So they don't have that backing that you've had. So what, what is the key where for them, for the guys who don't have that family, they don't have their moms or dads telling them, listen, think about the future. Where are they going to hear that from? Yeah, I'm sure they have. I'm sure at Liverpool, they, they, I think they do have some strong, strong um, sort of, academy uh, advice down there um so i know our agency deals with that those guys uh, a lot but um it's, it's gotta it's gotta come from those those players at the club uh, sorry the, the the coaches at the clubs but also you know i'm sure there are mentors linked into those um those clubs as well and those mentors whether it be you know um jordan henderson or whoever it is speaking to the younger players um, it is gold dust. You know, we have a number of mentors with linked to us, and just that one one phone call um, from a, a a big name to that player makes all the difference. So again, players have got to help themselves, but also the clubs do have to do have to provide facilities for for players for athletes that may not have the support networks that some others do. And and again, it falls upon a great club to identify those players and those, those people that may have um, that, that gap in support that need something. So, um, yeah, but a good club will identify that early. Yeah, so more, more pressure on the clubs, I think, to help with that, yeah. So let's talk about what you're doing now. Uh, you left rugby a little while ago now. You've been a busy man. Yeah, 2003, I, I left rugby. I, I joined a company called Tickets.com, which was owned by Major League Baseball. So that was my first job. I then went back to Wasps as commercial director um, for five years, which was fantastic, great fun. And then I set up my own business called um, Class International with Kenny Logan, which uh, is, is an introduction uh, networking business. And we introduced business to a variety of companies. Um, that was bought out in 2018 by a company called Alpha Solutions, which is a very large business services group. Um, and they pretty much do everything. They surround a, they surround a business or an individual uh, and provide services that those individuals or companies need. It's a very trusted advice. Uh, I'm one of their directors now. 
Um, and you know, I've been, I've been there, God, I've been associated with those guys for a long, long time. Um, but, uh, again, that business, my, the, the, the original class business was, was built on rugby networks, contacts, friends. And then, uh, when Alpha bought us, the, the two chaps that bought us, Roger and Brian, uh, and actually Lindsay and Pat, the four partners, they, um, they were known to me from, and it started from rugby, from a charity called The Wooden Spoon. So, and I played golf for them and attended a dinner. So that's how that relationship started. Roll that forward probably 15 years and, and that entity bought my business with Kenny. So, um, and now Alpha Class is still operating and we're still helping businesses on a daily basis. So, you know, lockdown for us has been um, challenging because we're a staff of, of 100, but, our offices are open, as I mentioned to you earlier on, socially distanced, of, of course. But, um, yeah, we effectively just been trying to, to help companies ride this storm, um, whether it's helping them uh, gain finance or reduce costs. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, just there to, to hopefully provide some support that um, is much needed in these times. Yeah. So that's what you're doing kind of for work. And I sense that you really enjoy that. But I know you get a lot of joy from some of the other stuff that you're doing as well. Uh, the, the... So, again, it's yeah, works obviously full on. Uh, but then in, in my spare time, um, we, we set up and that's fully run now the agency INS. Um, and there's probably about 15, 20 players associated with that. And that's run by um, the CEO, Richard. Um, and I'm just effectively um, uh, like an advisor, straight mentor on transition, actually, and, and talking to the players and how to prepare. Um, Richard runs that. And we've got a lot of footballers and, and a few rugby players and actually American footballers now. So uh, which is really interesting um, because and that agency started because literally I, I was just disillusioned by some of the stories I was hearing with players where they were just just like cast adrift and I just think that's awful because a player needs help for their career the middle bit's easy the contracts and everything else are simple um but it's when you come after and that's where I come in because we've got 100 and 100 odd businesses associated with with our uh, company you know one of our players if they need something we've got we've got that so that's that's where that fits in and then I set up um the Was Legends Charitable Foundation uh, actually, whilst I was at, we, well, it was called the Past Players Network at the at the time when I was uh, commercial director, and it then morphed into a charity. And Paul Clements, who is one of our old boys and a lawyer, helped me set this up. We now have a board of trustees, which are just phenomenal. And to date, we've probably donated about eight nine hundred thousand pounds to 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 good causes. And if, over the next five years, we're planning to donate another million. And, and it's, all, it's all linked to the, the WAS family. Um, but um, uh, friends that, your friends of legends can join. So you could join Buddy quite easily um, and support the charity and all the projects that we're associated with. But some of the benefits we have that, that are linked to us are, are fantastic. But it comes back to that, that family um, uh, ethos at wasps as Lowell said um, you know wasps is not a place it's about the people and it is and every weekend for the last nine weeks our whatsapp group with there's 256 people on there there's there's another 150 on another one the girls have got their own one 
Um, the girls are also on R1 as well. It's not, we, we don't, um, we're not completely separate, but because we ran out of space on WhatsApp, I didn't realize there's a capacity of 256 on it. Uh, we had to set up two. But every weekend we all get together. We, we have a salute to someone, whether it's Captain Tom uh, or, or someone's birthday or just um, you know, something silly. And then we end up having a, a drink and, and sharing a memory. And do you know what? Over the last eight weeks, that has become um, a little bit of a religion, a lot of light relief for, for people. Um, you know, uh, the players generally enjoy it, enjoy it, and are pleased to see people. And some of the memories we've had and pictures uh, and engagements and stories um, on mental health, on, on oh, it's just been incredible. And our charity actually has grown exponentially in the last 10 weeks just through through that. Um, but yeah, the charity supports pretty much any project that we, 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 can, we can try to support. Uh, we're donating money this year to Doddy, uh, the Doddy Weir Motor Neurons uh, Foundation and also um, the Change Foundation, which is a project linked to blind rugby. So we're not all about rugby. Well, yeah, we donate to yeah, Midland Air Ambulance, to, to all types of different charities. Um, but it's, it's they're nominated by our members and then our board do the due diligence on them. And then hopefully we can donate either two and a half thousand or or 25,000, it depends on the, the main grant or the small grant, but that's a lot of fun. Right, yeah, I, I do know you enjoy that. Uh, one of the big fundraisers you do uh, every year is a golf trip. Now, uh, with a lot of the people I, um, <clears throat> I interview, uh, they, I talk to them about their golf and the best golfer they've ever played with, the worst golfer they've ever played with. Now, you and I have played golf together once or twice. Uh, on the golf course, golf isn't always your biggest priority, even when you're on the course, I've noticed. I can tell what, buddy, if I'm being deadly serious, <laughs> I, I love golf, but I hate it at the same time. And it's purely because of, of my body. You know, every time I get to about nine holes and I'm like, oh my God, my back hurts, my ankles hurt, my knees hurt. You know, I'm very fortunate and my, my, my current business, Alpha Solutions, they are, they are mega golfers. Um, and they love their golf, so you know they play they play all the top courses. And I'm like, I just don't, I can't I, I can't play um, because it's just the pain I go through, um, and the, the the it's the week after that I really suffer. But you know, I've been I've been fortunate to to meet oh, oh, some incredible golfers. I, I I played a I played a hole with Gary Player, which was a highlight. Um, you know, uh, and playing with you, Mella, and those boys. Are good fun, but you know we're you know where we live. We've got Cordy on the doorstep, and we've got Royal Liverpool and Wallasey. We've got some mega courses. Um, I, I love I do I love it, and I and I hate it at the same time. Never had a lesson, but yeah, one of those things. But we have this golf trip in in um, in La Manga called the the Was Legends Rugby Golf Classic. It raises about one hundred fifty thousand pounds a year. Unfortunately, um, we couldn't do that this summer. We're supposed to go um, actually next week, uh, and it's a major, you know, it's a major uh, letdown for all the all the, the people that were going. We had thirty six teams playing, uh, and we had a cycle event out there as well. Um, and it's it's a fantastic, fantastic event. And I just hope that the flights go back into Mercia so, from EasyJet, so that the hotel and the the people out there can uh, can sort of survive because it's an incredible golf setup. It really is. Um, <clears throat> I go there most summers. Uh, family has a villa out there. 
and I'm supposed to be going there for a golf trip at the end of September as well. So hopefully well, the... Uh, you know, the golf course is open, so Nick Montgomery, yeah. MD there, he's, he's done a phenomenal job. Um, uh, but the, yeah, the hotel's open, the golf's open, but it's just, yeah, with this world as it is at the minute, hopefully uh, things are going to get better. But until people, you know, respect the rules and, mm. and you know, be sensible... Um, I can't see it uh, actually um, sort of getting better as quickly as it should be. Yeah, yeah. Why for you is helping players make that transition from rugby in particular, but as I, you know, you, you said you're working with players from a lot of different sports. Why is helping them make that transition so important to you? I think it's... I, um, because I, a, I've been through it. I know how I know how hard it can be. I've seen some players really struggle, and I just think my nature is, you know, is to actually to help people. I don't, I don't care to be honest. If um, if you help someone, it will always come back in some way, shape, or form. So you know, one of one of um, our friends probably at, at UTS gym. They're looking for a new career at the minute, and I've I've given him some advice and, and helped him. Uh, with a possible solution on that. Now, that uh, it doesn't cost anything to, to help someone. And for me, having been through it from that, coming back to the transition and the rugby point of view, um, it, it takes no time to, to just give someone that, that leg up. And guess what? It always gets repaid in some way, shape or form. Um, and, you know, I just think that's really important. If society can grab that um, and replicate it, then we're going to be in a lot better place, and it just it takes it takes nothing. So, um, yeah, an example of that this week, uh, one of the one of the lads uh, is doing a a virtual uh, prize giving for Harpenden Tens. Now, you know Tom Shanklin, Andy Powell, Kenny Logan, and a number of other sports stars linked to to the club and and beyond have sent some messages to them. And you know those boys and girls that are going to receive those messages. Um, it's tiny. It's not. It's nothing to to Shanks to do that. Um, but you know the joy that that's going to spread is untold. And I just think that is really important. I just think if you can help someone, help them. Don't expect anything back. If you get something back, well done. But that's that's my philosophy on life, to be honest. And always has been, and probably always will be. If you can help someone, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love your emphasis on helping people, your, your emphasis on family as well. Uh, and that's, it seems that that's what you like to create uh, with the people around you is that feeling of community, that feeling of family. Uh, I, I, I really like that. I, I, it's important. And I think it comes back to, you know, if you look at what my WASP family, I've got, I have got another family, literally a WASP family. Um, but then, you know, you look at, you look at where we live now, you know, we've got a family of mates that, you know, I know if I needed something, I'll pick up the phone and they'll be there. If it's three in the morning, it's three in the morning. Now that is, that's important. And I think for, if you can create a network of support like that around you, it's important. You know, our, my business at the minute, Alpha Solutions, you know, the, the directors and the partners of that business, it is a family business and they care and look after their people as um, as if it was their 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 own kids, and they and that's the philosophy. And guess what? They're very successful. Um, and yeah, if you inbreed that in a company, in a sports club, in a school, you know, people enjoy going there. Yeah. And I just think that's you know, I, you know, just coming back to that wasp part. 
Um, that is what we have. That's what we've created. The Was Legends now is a, is an animal in itself. But that 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 one entity is bringing together the professionals and the amateurs. So and there is now three entities all joined into one, and we're all helping each other. And that is the that's the I just think it's just basic life principles, isn't it? Help someone. Yeah. yeah better i think there's some great learning in that for all of us uh, also you know if you can create that family atmosphere but you take responsibility for your bit of it so you know if you start looking after other people you forget about your own problems and you help them forget about their problems and if we can each do that we can make the world a better place yeah it takes takes very little and uh, although my wife sometimes sits there and goes well they didn't ask for your help well <laughs> Yeah, but it's there if they want it. <laughs> Our wives are there to keep us in check, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so finishing up, what's next for Peter Scribner? I know you're always thinking. You've always got something on the go. So what's next? You know what? I think just looking at what's going on in the world at the minute, um, I, I, I don't think many people know what's next. I just, I'd, I'd love to... Um, I'd love to see, uh, you know, the, the roots of this virus come out for everyone. You know, where did it come from? Why did it start? Let's be honest, you know, if it was a mistake um, or, you know, if someone did eat a bat or something, just say, yeah, that's what it is. And is there a vaccine? Is there not? How long is it going to be uh, with us? Just have some clarity. I just think from me personally, I'm just enjoying, I'm enjoying, I enjoy the, the charity. I want to see that grow. I want to see, you know, my son uh, have a brilliant um, sort of secondary school um, because he's coming up to that in, in year seven this year. He's had a very disrupted end of uh, sort of or middle of year six, which has been unfortunate. Um, you know, I want to I want to excel and do as, as much as I can for my current uh, business, Alpha Solutions. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen for that? Yeah, we were planning to, to, to take that to the market and and. Um, you know, float that, but things have changed. So, but well, yeah, listen, for me, just I just uh, take every day as it comes and try and keep a positive outlook on everything because every day is different. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, try and be happy. So that's my philosophy on life. You just get on with it. There are, you know, everyone has bad days. Just who cares? Just get on with it. Yeah, everyone does have a bad day. Make the most of it, though. And uh, I think, again, you know, the title of this podcast is called Sing When You're Losing. Uh, our best learning often comes when things are tough. And uh, this is no different right now. What we're going through now is a great time for learning, uh, even though we have to admit it is difficult. Pete, it's been amazing having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Pleasure. Uh, and it's been, uh, it's been good getting to know you a little bit better through the course of this. I hope you have a great day and that we are back out on a golf course or in a pub together very soon. I'd rather keep it to the, I'd walk, I'd walk the first nine holes on the golf course whilst <laughs> having a beer. Uh, that's that. Yeah. I just, I wish I mean, I'm not, I'm going to try and get my back sorted. I've tried, I have tried a number of times and it's not worked. So if I can get the golf course, brilliant, but um, otherwise definitely a pub. That sounds good. Thanks so much. Uh, stay safe, stay well, 
and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sing When You're Losing with Wasps legend and legend in his own right, Peter Scribner. Please look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and anywhere you find your podcasts. If you found this helpful, leave a review and spread the word as well. Don't forget to subscribe or to check back for next week's exciting conversation. This world is a crazy and unpredictable place, so don't forget to sing when you're losing.